Hey, man, that was good. Whew. Another one of those mornings where I feel like I don't want to preach because I don't want to mess anything up. <laughs> hey, I am so thankful for the opportunity to be here preaching this morning. I'm thankful for each and every one of you for your prayers. I'm thankful for, for Pastor Robbie and, and for Doug standing up last week and kind of taking over for me while I, while I was out. I had a, um, a little side road I had to go on last week. I wasn't able to be with you, but God is good. And uh, God is so good. And he has blessed me beyond belief with an incredible wife, a son and a daughter, and, and a fantastic church. And, and he has blessed each one of you with gifts, with talents, with abilities, with things, with money, with stuff, with brains that are incredible, with courage, with strength. He's, he's gifted us. God didn't give us the short end of the barrel when it came to the awesomeness factor. Would you agree with that? So some of you may have looked in the mirror and thought, well, God made a mistake when he made me, but I'm here to tell you this morning, that is in fact not true. God doesn't make mistakes. God designed you the way that you are on purpose, specifically who you are. You hear me say this all the time, because he has a plan for you. God doesn't make mistakes. I have a friend who is six foot seven, 410 pounds, and it took a lot of convincing that he wasn't a mistake. Just kidding. That was a joke. You're supposed to laugh. Make me feel unshallow, please. His name is Josh. Some of you have met Josh. Josh is a colossal man. And when I say he's six foot seven, 410 pounds, there's not like an inch of fat on this guy. He's the kind of guy that has this natural gifting, this natural talent, this ability. He, he's, he's one of these massive men that, that when you think of a big man, he's not like this big man that comes after you like this. He's quick. I mean, this kid literally bench presses tractor tires for fun. And then he throws them around for a workout. His nicknames consist of Big Daddy, Big Papa, The Workman, and Sir. He's huge. His body, his forearms are bigger than my thighs. And I'm not exa- I am not exaggerating. Some of you know who I'm talking about. I'm not exaggerating at all. Uncle Vince likes to call him Tiny. One day when I was out with Josh, we had a run-in with some of the linemen from the Steelers. They asked to get a picture with him. That is not a joke. Josh is a man who is, he just was very gifted. He is very gifted and very talented, very athletic. Josh, throughout his life, is really just trying to figure out a way to use this gift that God gave him. So he became a prison guard. And let me tell you, the prison was safe when he was there. Um, he would walk into the cell and he would submit people. That was his job. But he decided that just wasn't for him and he quit. He then became the guardian of cargo vessels where he was trained to go around the Horn of Africa on cargo ships to defeat pirates. I'm not kidding about this man. This is what his job became. But he decided that he was afraid and, and, and he couldn't do it any longer. In fact, I have a lot of conversations with Josh often because one of the first questions that he gets from people is, hey man, did you ever play football? I mean, if anybody was ever bred for football, it's this guy. Can I get an amen from some of the folks that know him? He just, he's just a specimen. Josh was in the baking club in high school. And, and I oftentimes will say to him, Josh, why did you do that? He said, because I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to do it. And I said, but you know, God gifted you with this colossal strength, this mammoth body. I mean, they didn't have a football helmet to fit on his head when he was a kid. 
He went to a WWF at the time wrestling thing down at down Mellon Arena or Civic Arena or whatever it was called. And, and Vince McMahon actually recognized him and was heartbroken when he found out the kid was only a minor. He had been approached about becoming a pro wrestler. But because of his fears, because of his worries, the only thing that Josh, and not that there's anything wrong with the bacon club, but when you're six foot seven, 410 pounds, solid piece of muscle, you don't bake. But because of his fear, because of his doubt, because of how he thought God made a mistake on him, he never took the potential of what he could have been. And it haunts his soul to this very day. To every time I have a conversation with him, he'll say things like this to me. Jamie Kendrew, what would I have done? If, what would I be if I had just tried? If I had put my fear aside? Oh, and he, he talks funny. He's, oh, Jamie Kendrew. And like Josh, you'd probably be in a very different place, buddy. There's a great quote by, a, by an old Irish politician uh, by the name of Edmund Burke that was made famous by Winston Churchill in reference to the United States uh, before we entered World War II. And, it, and it's this. It says, in order for evil to succeed in the world, it takes for good men to do nothing. And, and I'm here to tell you, as believers in Christ, as followers in Christ, we succumb to our fear all too often, and evil succeeds when God's people do nothing. Do you hear me? God designed you on purpose. He brought you into his fold on purpose. You have a purpose. And over the past several weeks, we've been talking about what it looks like for us as Christians to give God's way. Whether that's uh, how, why we give, which, and the reason we give, the why we give, it's because we want to honor God, right? Why we give is because it demonstrates faith. God commanded us to be obedient in this. We are called by God to give, right? You remember that sermon a couple weeks ago? We're also called uh, to think about how we give. Pastor Robbie came last week and talked to you about how we give. And, and a piece of scripture that pops to my mind when I think about how we give comes from the book of Mark. And if you have your Bibles, I would like you to turn to this uh, because it's worth reliving. It's Mark 12, verse 41. And as soon as I find it, I'll read it. There it is. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. And he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. I can imagine this in my mind. He says, Jesus calls his disciples. He says, hey, come here. I tell you the truth. That poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out their wealth, out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, she put everything in, all that she had to live on. So why do we give? Because it demonstrates faith. Because it, it's a blessing to God. Why do we give? Because we're commanded to. How do we give? We give like the widow. We give till it hurts. We're called by God to give till it hurts. We're called by God to give when we shouldn't be able to give. We're called by God to give in faith. If giving were easy we would be able to do a lot of different things. But giving's not easy because even Jesus made the statement that where your money is is where your heart is. 
And so we are to give with a grateful heart. We all know the scriptures that say, test me in this, that if if you give your finances, your time, and your talents to God, he will bless you. And some of us think we figured out this secret recipe on how to trick God into giving us more money. But I'm going to tell you right now, if that is your heart in the matter, you will not be blessed. Because it's the guy who is giving to God because he recognizes that it's all rightfully his anyway. And he's just giving back to God because that's what he's commanded to do. That type of heart will receive a blessing. So we talked about, we talked about two things in the last couple of weeks. Why we give and how we give. And this week I want to talk to you about what we give. Because the reality of it is this, folks. The church functions because the congregation gives. Now, ultimately, everything functions because of the grace and mercy of God. I want you to hear what I'm saying here. Nothing works without God. But the vehicle by God designed to do that is by the church giving, bringing a tithe. Does that make sense? And I've heard a lot of incredible sermons over my days about how you are to give of your time or your talent or your treasure. And I want to tell you, while those sermons were really good, I completely disagree with them. Because according to the word of God, you are not called to give a time or a talent or a treasure. You're called to give all three. They're not exclusive. If you are doing an awesome job at bringing your tithe to the kingdom, fantastic. But are you sharing your talents? Are you sharing your time? Maybe you, you volunteer 49 hours a day for the church and, and you're just completely involved, but you're not able to give financially. I'm telling you, you're not meeting what God wants you to get to meet. You're not experiencing the blessing that God wants you to experience when you're only doing one or the other. It's time talents, and your treasure. That is what we're to give. We see that in our passage scripture today in the parable that Jesus has given us here. This parable that Jesus has given us is actually one of three parables. These parables, he's actually talking about one day Christ will return. And even in the parable that we're talking about today, Jesus is making reference to the fact that one day he will return. And when he returns, we, as the people that he's made an investment in, are going to have to give an account for how we used our time here on this earth. Have you ever had a scare where you weren't sure how long you were going to live? It sure makes you appreciate the time you have now, doesn't it? And each one of us does not know the day or the hour when we are going to check out of this place. And I want to ask you the question, are you living a life sold out to God using your time, talents, and treasures. Let's go to our scripture passage for today. Remembering, these are Jesus' words, not mine. As a pastor, it it is hard to stand up here and talk about giving, but but it's not at the same time. Because we have a responsibility as believers to talk about what we're to give. In his parable, Jesus says in Matthew 25, verse 14, he says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to the other uh, one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. I'm going to break this passage down into three sections. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to write these down. The first section that we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the responsibility. 
The responsibility that these people had in this parable were they were given a talent, an investment. And as Pastor Jared and I studied about this, 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 this parable, we really got focused on, all right, let's define the word talent. Let's talk about how much money this actually is. And I'm going to be very honest with you. In all the commentaries and all the research and study that we've done, the, the word talent can, can, also, can, can be used as a form of measurement. It, can, it is representative of a massive jar that was used to carry money around. And the reality of it is, is we really can't narrow it down to exactly how much money we're talking about here. But we were able to get it down to this. A talent was a representative figure, was an amount of money that was the equivalent of 20 years of a man's wages. So to us, that is a significant amount of money. That is, that is like half of your, your earnings in your lifetime. So for one talent, you're talking about a substantial, substantial investment. And the more Pastor Jared and I studied this passage, we came to the realization that this parable actually has nothing to do with the amount of the talent. But it has everything to do with the amount of the talent. And I didn't say that wrong. The amount didn't matter to the master. But the amount needs to matter. I shouldn't say it like that because I'm going to contradict myself here in a minute. The amount doesn't matter, but it does matter. Because the reality of it is, in each one of the servants, whether he received five talents, two talents, or one talent, the master made a significant, life-altering investment in that person. Can you see the significance of that? And I want to tell you right now, each one of those servants had a responsibility to that talent. It says that the one guy, instantaneously, his response, which is the second R, we've got the, the, the uh, excuse me, let me go back to this here real quick. We've, we've got a responsibility, which is they have been given a talent, they've been given his treasure, and then they're going to have a reaction to that. The first gentleman's reaction to, to the master giving him this incredible thing was it says he immediately dropped whatever he was doing and he went and he invested this talent, five talents. The Bible says that the second guy went and did the same thing, that the moment the master gave him this significant investment, he went right away and he used it to his fullest potential. Now what these two gentlemen did not do is they did not take their money, sit it on the carpet and go, money grow. Instead of what they did was they took their talents, they took their abilities, and they applied time to investing and to working with this money. They were not lazy. They were diligent about seeing what they could do about increasing the yield. Did the master ever say to them once, you have to double this money, you have to triple this money, I want a bajillion times more money when I get back. He gave them no instructions. He said, be creative and, and do something with what I'm giving you. And I got a feeling God is telling us something here. That each one of us is a substantial investment for him. The blood of Jesus, we can try all day long to put a money value to it, but the reality of it is, is we can't. That it is a substantial investment in each one of you. And some of you are going to go on like a Billy Graham and, and save the entire world. And some of you will go on and you'll just save your neighbor and, and do whatever you want to call or the verbiage you want to use. But the reality of it is, to God, if you're using the gift and talent that he gave you, that is significant. It doesn't matter in his mind the amount. 
It matters the heart by which you're using the gift and talent that he gave you. Is this making sense, church? Of your time, your talent, and your treasure. The the third servant's reaction was the reaction that a lot of us will have sometimes. The third servant's reaction was this, and I'm going to read this. The third servant also received a talent. He went off and dug a hole in the ground, uh, but the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. I think there's a lot of us sitting out here right now that you have even recognized that God has made an incredible investment in you. But because of fear, because you think you don't know what you're talking about or you don't know enough about the Bible, because you have fear, you're like my friend Josh. You're a colossal and you don't even realize it. Because God put a hefty investment in you. And because you can't master your fear, you run and you hide and you bury that time, you bury that talent, and you bury that treasure in the dirt where we put waste and you squander. I've squandered the gifts and talents and blessings that God has given me. Maybe I'm the only one like that this morning, but I can relate to this guy. See, Jesus is coming back just in this parable. It says this. It says that the, after a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled the accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five that he had earned. He had doubled it. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents, and I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. Notice the master doesn't say, well, why didn't you gain five more? Why didn't you gain seven more? He says, thank you. You are a good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. I've entrusted with you with few things. And I will now entrust you with many. I promise you this. If you trust your money, you trust your time and your abilities to God to do with what he wants, I promise you, I promise you, as the word says, you can test this, he will bless you. And I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel where we trick God into giving us more money or if we pray hard enough, he'll do everything we want. You know, God is not celestial Santa Claus. He's God. And he will bless us according to his will and according to our abilities. And if you will trust in him, I promise you, he will bless your socks off. He continues on to say this. Then the man who'd received one talent came and master, he said, Oh, and this frustrates me because I think so many of us are like this. We know we love Jesus. We, we love Jesus genuinely in our heart, but the reality is that sometimes we're embarrassed or afraid. And, and so in, instead of sharing our faith or going out with people and talking with them about God, we say, well, God, you, you just haven't put it on my heart. Or God, you didn't quit me enough. Or God, you didn't make me smart enough. And the reality of it is, is we start blaming God for our fear. And our, and our succumbing to fear. But the reality of it is, it's not God's fault. As a Pittsburgher would say, it's just us being a scared. 
But if God has put you somewhere to do a ministry, he is not going to leave you hanging. He will be there with you to see you through this ministry, and you will be blessed. This servant says this, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man and harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. That is a bad way to start a meeting. So I, uh, so I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here what is belongs to you. Isn't it sad that the master made this tremendous investment in this man, and the only thing he could do when the master came back was hand him a dirty version of what he received? Do with that what you want. Then the man who received the one talent master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and I hid your talent in the ground. Here is what belongs to you. The master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not uh, sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then why didn't you just put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would at least have received it back with interest? I think a lot of times in our lives when we succumb to fear and we are afraid to trust the Lord, we start to blame God, don't we? I do. I can't really speak for you. The reality of it is, is God says with a heart and an attitude like that, we're wicked and we're lazy. And I want to challenge you. Maybe there's some things in your lives. Maybe you give money to the church and you're fantastic at that, but you do not give of your time. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of getting close to somebody? Maybe you have the voice of an angel and you're sitting out there because you're fearful. How silly would it be if Brad Labakin came to me on Tuesday and said, Jamie, I don't think I'm going to sing anymore because, you know, God has given me this gift of being able to sing, but I don't want to lose my voice. So I'm just not going to use it anymore. Are you kidding me? What a terrible waste of talent and, and of God's blessing that would be. And there's a lot of us in this room not using the gifts and the talents that God gave us to the potential that he wants us to use them for. Because if we're not using our gifts and talents for God, we're using them for us. And unless you know a better architect than me, your kingdom will be nothing in comparison to God's. And God requires us to use our gifts and talents for him, the master. He continues on and he says this, with the reward, we talked about the responsibility, we're talking about the reaction, and now we're moving on to the reward. What is the reward for us? The reward for us is this. He says, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. You know, it's crazy because this guy has made so much money already. It's not really about the money, is it? He's still ahead, even with just the one talent back. He's still ahead. But the reality of it is, is the master is heartbroken over the heart of the servant. Because the heart of the servant didn't recognize the incredible investment, and he wasted it. Ah, oh, it just gets to me. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the talents. For everyone who will be given more, uh, for everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Now I want to make sure, this is one of those sections of the Bible that you can take this out of context and say, well, why is Jesus telling us that poor people are going to have everything taken from them? If that is how you are reading this, you are wrong. Because the heart of what we're talking about here is the servant 
and the master. And I want to encourage you never to read this portion of scripture in that light. He's not saying if you make a million dollars, God's going to come down. He's just going to give you another million dollars. That's not what he's saying. That's not a prosperity gospel. There's a, a false doctrine and teaching that goes on in our world today that says if you're just good enough and you pray hard enough that God will give you a million dollars and, and heal everything in your body. Well, God will, can heal everything in your body and God can give you as much as he wants. But it's according to his purpose and will, not some secret magic trick that we think we figured out. Does that make sense? And that's not what this is saying. He's saying the heart of the man that desires to serve me, the heart of the man that desires to see my kingdom further, I will bless him. He will, get the, he will receive the blessing that I even meant for other people because they are just wasting it. Because Christ is coming back and there will be a reconciliation, a reckoning for what we do with our time, talents, and treasures. He says to that servant, Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's where the parable kind of gets ridiculous and you can only realize that Jesus is talking about heaven and hell. That when we go at the things of God with a selfish heart, that means our heart cannot be pursuing God, therefore we can't love God. And then when we have that type of attitude and that mindset of squandering God, we're not going to make it to the party. Listen to what I'm saying. God loves you as much now as he ever will, and you cannot work your way into heaven. Can everybody shake their head and let me know that they understood what I just said? Because what I'm not saying is that if you work really hard, God's going to love you extra special. That is not what I'm saying at all. But I always use this analogy. Women, you love the fact that your husband loves you because he gets to, not because he has to, right? Same concept. We do this. We act in this way because we get to love God, because we recognize that everything that we have in this life is a blessing from God that he poured out on us. And we get the opportunity to give a portion of it back to him to use for the furthering of his kingdom. Am I talking about your money? Yes. The ministry needs the money of God to function, and it is in your possession. The ministry needs your time. We need people to be invested and involved in ministry who are unafraid, knowing that they may mess up, that they may not necessarily have all the theological answers. But you know what? If God puts you in a ministry, he will show up for you. He will use you and he will bless you. He's not asking you to have all the know-how. He's asking you to be willing. You think the disciples knew how to make bread and fish when they fed 5,000 people? No, they stole a kid's lunch, and God blessed it. (laughs) That's the Jamie version, by the way. Your money is required. Your time is required. And for the love of everything holy, if God has blessed you with an ability to do something awesome, whether it's to be an accountant, a football player, work at Taco Bell, I don't care what it is, you better be using that thing to glorify God and not squandering it. I think of my friend Josh, who God blessed beyond belief and how it haunts his soul every day that he squandered that and did not use that. What are you using your talents for? There's a great quote by a guy named John Greenleaf Whittier, an old political figure of the 1700s, and he says this, Of all all sad words of mouth or pen... The saddest are these, what might have been. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, my prayer is, is that we as a church, as a group of believers, will be a group of believers that come our deathbed, we have no regrets. That we, as a group of believers, will lay there thinking, I am so glad that I gave my time, that I gave my talent, my treasure to my God, to my family, to my church, to my community. I have never heard anybody once in my, in my history as a pastor say, man, I gave too much. But I always hear people say, I wish I had done more. Understanding. God loves you as much now as he ever will. And we're not working our way into heaven because it's not about works. But, but come Valentine's Day, I want to give my wife a beautiful gift and say, this isn't because I have to, it's because I get to. And that's the heart of the first two servants, not the heart of the wicked servant. Where are you at this morning? Because the amount of money wasn't the issue. It's what we do with it. This morning is in gathering. And today we are celebrating our opportunity to give back to God. This morning we are, we're celebrating the fact that we've got a, a children's ministry that's teaching our children to take care of the community, that, to take care of people who can't necessarily, don't necessarily have enough to eat. We have these bags up here and in a moment you're going to have an opportunity to bring forward some things. And what I want to encourage you is this, church, we've talked about giving our time, our talents, and our treasures this morning. We didn't take an offering early in the service. Because in a moment, what we want you to do is we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And after the first song, uh, we're going to invite you to come forward to bring your time, talents, and treasures. And the first thing I want to instruct you on is if you have an offering to give this morning, whether it's one penny or a bajillion dollars, you can bring that forward and put it in the left basket on either side. Maybe in the mail you received one of your pledge uh, uh, letters about how much you're going to dedicate to the Lord this year. We want to encourage you to bring that forward, your pledge letter. Maybe this morning you're sitting there and you've got the whole financial piece of giving down and, and you're really struggling in your heart because God has put it on your heart to maybe work with student ministries or, or to, to work with the widow's ministry or regardless that God is putting it on your heart to do something, we want to encourage you this. This morning when you came in, you received this bulletin and inside is this little card and it says, my gift. And on this card, what we want to do is because God is calling you to give your money, but God is also calling you, included in that, to give of your talent and your time. Maybe God's put it on your heart to volunteer for a certain ministry that out of fear you just haven't acted on yet. Or maybe you have a talent, maybe you have the voice of a bird, or maybe you can be a clown and, 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 and come down to children's ministry. Maybe there's something that you can do that you can give to God that you haven't because of fear. This morning we want to encourage you during our time of ingathering, we want you to write your name down. We want you to write your talent or, or whatever you're thinking on here. We want you to write that down on here and we want you to bring that up and put it in the right basket, the right side. And when you do that, someone from our church will reach out to you to find out how we can help you use your talent and your time to glorify God this morning. Also, if you have an in-gathering bag, because as a church, we're called to love God and to love others. And the way that we're going to love others this Thanksgiving, one way is by providing meals for people who have none. 
And so maybe this morning you brought some food to bring forward. During this time of in-gathering, as we celebrate, we want to encourage you to bring that forward and place it here under the cross. God has blessed each and every one of us abundantly. And that always looks a little bit different. But it's not about the amount. It's about how the servant honors the master with what he's been given. Won't you stand with me now? And we're going to sing, and I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we're going to sing a song, and after that first song, as the Lord leads you, come forward and give your time, your talents, and your treasure. And then we're going to continue to worship. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. You've given us so much, precious God. You've blessed us in so many ways that we could never begin to imagine. And so, Lord, as we come give back a portion of what you have given to us, we pray that you would use it for the furthering of your kingdom, whether that be our time, our talents, or our treasures, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the price you paid of your blood. That was the investment. We thank you for that, Lord. In your name we pray.